Thank you for joining the podcast. I do realize there are so many options available and the fact that you chose to listen to this podcast means a lot to me. My name is Sharon Feckety. I am the host of the Dr. Whisperer Show. I am also the founder of the Dr. Whisperer. So basically, I am the Dr. Whisperer. We are going to navigate through the business of medicine together. We're going to feature some doctors, some healthcare attorneys, some patients, some practice managers, people that will help you navigate through this industry. So thanks for joining us. If you are enjoying the podcast and you think somebody else could benefit from it, share it with them or write a review or both. Thanks again. 2021, we're coming for you and we're going to get through this together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I couldn't be happier to have my friend back to close out professional wellness month, the man, the legend, the doctor, the TikTok influencer, the Instagram influencer, the author, the guitar player, Dr. Mudgill. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks, Sharon. It's great to be here. You know, I love chatting it up with you. I do love chatting it up with you, my New York doc. So, um... I really wanted to focus today on your book because I'm so excited that you wrote a book and that people now get to, you know, dive into the brain of Dr. Mudgill. So um, the book is called Let's Get It, Hustle and Grind Your Way to Personal Empowerment. So my first question to you is why did you write this book? That's a a good question. Um, So, you know, few years ago, I'm about to turn 46 next week. A few years ago, I had, I guess, folks may term a midlife crisis, trying to figure out what my purpose was here. Um, but I knew for me, it certainly wasn't uh, having more of the same, you know, having another dermatology practice, having, you know, just more of the same stuff. And, um, I, just, you know, I just thought a lot about my legacy, about my kids, about, you know, what, what who, who are they going to think their dad is, you know? And yeah, of course, I'm a successful New York City dermatologist. I accomplished much more than I ever thought I was able to accomplish. Um, but I, I kind of happened upon it. You know, I got I got lucky. I made mistakes. Uh, there was a lot of doubters. Uh, I had very limited self-belief early on. And the book was really written to talk to the eight-year-old me, um, to just let him know, and the other eight-year-olds or 10-year-olds or college students or medical students that, you know, you can do it. You might have a broken background. You might have been bullied as a kid. You might have gotten beat up at the bus stop every week, yeah. but you can make something special happen. All of us can. I love it. I love it. And um, and how did this experience of writing this book change you? I ask you that because it was very personal to me to write a book, and and it. I don't think I've ever had a more reflective time in my in my life, especially in business, than to actually sit down and. And write it down and and share the the, the good times, the bad times, um, in a book. So, how do you think this experience changed you? You know, I've never gone to therapy, um, but I imagine it was, that's what this is like. Uh, yeah. So, like early on, like the early sessions of my book, my co-author Michael Cofino is an awesome guy. We he, he, we just connected like the first time we spoke. He's he's uh, a retired lawyer who's now a writer who lives in San Francisco but grew up in the Bronx. You know, he's like a New York dude. And in the beginning, we would literally just talk for hours, like just talk about my story. And I would just tell them all these stories like from my childhood, from college, from med school. Um, and, uh, and it was like really therapy. It was like therapeutic. You know, I was, I'll talk about things that I felt uncomfortable talking about. You know, my dad, who I've never met, was an abusive guy. He used to basically, you know, 
beat the crap out of my mom and basically forbade her from pursuing a career in medicine. And she would ride the subway at night to do that, to study for her exams. I mean, it's just all kinds of, you know, old scars talking yeah. about it, but it was, it was good to talk about it and get them down on paper, you know? Oh my goodness. I love to hear that because um, I will repeat what I've said before on podcast interviews with you, that that's, that was when I fell in love with Dr. Mudgill. Uh, anybody that is listening or watching, I highly recommend going to Dr. Mudgill, of course, has a podcast as well. I, I don't think I mentioned that in the beginning. And his show is great, but his first show is with his mom. And for sure, that interview was what really uh, led me to your rabbit hole and made me have so much um, just respect for you and your family and, and how you've all triumphed. Um, through adversity to become who you are today. So um, kudos to you for, for writing that book and sharing that experience. So, so Doc, who should read this book? Everybody. <laughs> I, I don't know say that. I'm not saying that in like an egotistical way. Mm -hmm. I think all of us, it's very easy to like live under your potential. And there's something that every one of us wants to accomplish in life, whether it's getting fitter or starting a business or being a better husband or wife or father or you know there's something that all of us are striving for and the really the purpose of this book it's my personal roadmap to how I crush bills and you know really expect a lot out of myself and that's something you know more of us should be doing I think that's so awesome all right so my last question um just specific about the book and then I want to just chat a little bit more um about how you got to where you are today what is, what is the purpose of this book so yeah, the purpose of the book is to ignite that fire that should be burning very, very brightly <laughs> within each of us. You know, it's, I was at a point in my life where I was coasting, um, you know, and, and objectively from the outside looking in, you know, I, I have a fancy house, I have fancy cars, I have a beautiful wife, I have three gorgeous kids, I have an office on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, I have another office on Long Island, I played golf a bunch, you know, and just on the outside looking, it's like, wow, this guy has, has it all, you know, and I did, you know, I really, I mean, I, I had more than I ever dreamed of ever having. I accomplished more than whatever, you know, ever thought I was capable of accomplishing, you know, financially, et cetera. But, you know, that one particular summer, just something went off in me. Like this, like I was like, I was 42 at the time. I was driving my Ferrari to go play golf. I was playing golf a whole bunch of times a week. And um, I remember just early in the summer, like in June, I was thinking, myself, like, this is so crazy. I can't believe this is like my life. It's nuts. Like I never... I used to Valley Park cars in the neighborhood where I live now. Right. I Valley Park cars at a party at my country club that I belonged to. You know, like I just, I, I couldn't believe this was my life. And I was like, wow, you know, I've, I've arrived, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and after a couple of weeks of doing that, I just felt like empty when I should have felt so good. Like, you know, like I was like, why do I feel like crap? This is, it just was a groundhog's day. And like the people that were around playing golf, like when I would go play golf, were folks that had like family wealth, you know, they didn't really work, you know, they just were, I mean, not an existence that I admired. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just so used to grinding for everything, you know, kind of like, you know, that hustle was in me. If I wasn't with work, it was with getting fit. If it wasn't with that, it was with whatever, something else, you know. And uh, I realized that I, I got to figure out, like, I can't do this for the next 40 years. I, I you know, I can't like, live on this plateau for the next 40 years. I have to be, become a better person. I have to grow. And, um, you know, that's really where it started kind of, well, it, didn't, it started before the book. It started with my podcast, with Instagram, and, but with me starting to read again and, you know, really fertilize my mind and, you know, really try to get some 
plant some seeds so I could harvest them years later even. Um, but the book was part of that, you know, sort of almost like the end of that initial stage of this phase of my life. And you really, um, you dove into like personal development. You know, I talk about personal development a lot with the doctors that I work with that, you know, you guys spend all of your time healing others. You know, you're, we, you go to medical school. I was going to say we, cause I feel like I've flipping went. I've been working in this field for so long. I have no idea what it looks like, nor do I think I would ever even last, but you know, you go to school because you want to heal people, you want to help people. And, um, and then it becomes this business and it just takes off and, and you don't even think that you're, you're going to spend time hiring or, you know, marketing or going on Instagram or going on TikTok. And, and, you know, when you were saying that you were driving your Ferrari and you're going to golf and really reflecting, like, how can this be my life from where I came from? I've certainly felt that way, minus the Ferrari, and I hate golf, and I have no problem saying it, okay? My husband is going tomorrow, though. We are a golf family, but I just, it is, it's, it's surreal, but if you are not fulfilled inside, and you are fulfilled outside, there's no way that you can sustain, but I'm sure that you have seen many people um, and many doctors, many entrepreneurs that have felt that, you know, just that hole inside of them a little bit. I mean, that's, I'm going to assume that was a big catapult. And what was it like when you, that, when you just made that decision, because you have to make that decision that I have to change everything, right? And I'm sure it wasn't, it wasn't like this big old rose garden just popped up and you had no problems. What was that like from when you made the decision and what did it look like for you to then start um, changing it into something that would actually fulfill you, which is, you know, the life that you're living today of writing a book and, and living your dream and, and also being a husband and a, a father. Yeah. You know, I guess the execution of it is the hardest part. So I was at dinner with one of my buddies who is a very successful entrepreneur and someone that, you know, I, I look up to. And around that time, you know, I was going to my city office like once a week. I was really busy when I was there. I was going to my Long Island office, you know, like once or twice a week. I had a bunch of, I had a couple of doctors working for me, a bunch of PAs working for me. I had like this machine that was just kind of running. Um, but I started to have like little issues, nothing crazy, but like, you know, just some staffing stuff. And, you know, I kind of took my, you know, I, I guess I took my eye off, off of the office a little bit, you know? So there's like internal things that were happening, nothing crazy, but, you know, just drama, office drama, which is pretty typical. And, uh, you know, I was just, and I was like having that sort of like empty feeling inside about, like, you know, I mean, I love what I do. I love being a dermatologist. I love seeing my patients. Um, but I was kind of, kind of bored with the business of it. You know, I just felt like it was the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And uh, just feeling um, uninspired, you know, so I was, I was talking to my buddy and I told him like, you know, this is what's kind of going on in my life. You know, we're having dinner and uh, I, I just love, everyone loves The Rock. And I was just telling him, I was like, I love The Rock. You know, The Rock has reinvented himself so many times. And he's someone that's, you know, has this crazy career. Like he's an actor and, you know, does all of, and he's an entrepreneur and, you know, he does all of these things. But really the message that when you, when you watch an Instagram post of his, his, it's like a message of inspiration. Like, you know, like we're grinding, we're getting our workouts in, we're, it's just a very empowering, you know, it's just very positive, very empowering. And I said, I, I want that. I want to do that. Like that that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. You know, I want to be the doc. I want to spread a message of empowerment. So that's, 
that that really runs the gamut. So you don't have to be a doctor to watch my content. You don't have to be in healthcare. You don't have to be a medical student. It really is for everybody. It's like, listen, it doesn't matter what you do. We all have something amazing that we can contribute to the world, you know, but you have to work at it. It's not easy. Uh, but that's embracing the hustle and grind, you know? And uh, so he gave me a few books to read. He's like, gave me, you know, five books to read. Uh, we gave me a four hour work week, the one thing, 10X rule, um, the E-Myth Revisited and Gary Vee's Crushing It. So after I read Gary Vee's book, I didn't even know who Gary Vee was, to be honest with you, but I read his book and he's like, oh, you, know, you, should use social, you could use social media to like, you know, enact whatever your goal may be. So I said, all right, cool. So I'm going to post Instagram every day. I decided to do that in like, I don't know, it was like 2018 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it might've been like February of 2018. I've never you missed said, a day. You said that you posted every day, right? So I said, and then I said, I was like, you know what? I'm going to sort of post to Instagram every day. Right. I want to post my stuff that interests me. So I was posting like a mishmash of stuff, some dermatologist stuff. I was like starving, struggling to create content. But I said to myself, I'm going to post Instagram every day and I'm going to hold myself accountable to it. So I've never missed a day since March of 2018. I've posted every single day, every day since then. Okay. Never missed one. Mm-hmm. Never missed a single day. So I posted for like, I don't know, whatever, 13 or 1400 days. Straight. I don't even know what the number is at this point. But my content started to become more sophisticated as time went on. I actually went to Gary Vee's 4D session in uh, May of 2018. And, um, you know, you're basically sitting around a round table of other entrepreneurs, all of whom were like a gajillion times more successful than me. Um, but, you know, you go around the room and Gary basically like asks what you want to do. And, you know, I basically told him. But, and he said, you know, if you have the resources to deploy, you should hire a videographer. So I was like, mm-hmm. all right. So that night, I put that out on Craigslist uh, for a videographer. I hired a videographer the next day or a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I slowly started building my content model. You know, I started my podcast, then I started a YouTube channel. Now, since then, I've started TikTok. Um, but in the beginning, it was hard, you know, because a lot of folks were like, what, they thought I'd, you know, gone nuts, you know, with the stuff. <laughs> right. I was to, like, what you know, is he doing? Why is this like successful New York City dermatologist, like posting mindset stuff or fitness stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but then I, as time went on, um, the haters are going to hate no matter what. And that's just part of it. Like when you put yourself out there as much as I do, there's going to be someone that just doesn't like you or that's, um, and usually that's coming from some emptiness within that, you know, and, t- and it takes a lot to recognize that it's not you, it's the other person, you know, but in the beginning it hurts. It's like, ah, uh, you know, you hear like, you know, whatever, you know, he's supposed he's going crazy or supposed to this weird stuff, but you also develop a community of believers mm. and and you also turn some of the haters into believers and you know and you and you, you really start you know it's been years now and i have like a community that i've developed um of like you know it's interesting because i do a lot of pimple popping videos so it's like one of my one of my um someone who who's a who's a big supporter of mine on youtube and instagram her name is martha she says like you know whenever in the comments she said well i tell everyone come for the pops but stay for the inspiration Nice. And uh, you know, yeah, I thought that was such a cool line. I told her I'm going to steal it from her, and I've used it a couple of times <laughs> since then. But I always give her credit. Martha, Martha gets all the credit. Um, but you know, I I really kind of figured out how to grow my platform. You know, I kind of like bring people in, and then I you know I douse them with positivity. <laughs> you know, once they're there and watch other stuff. Well, um, so that that's how I found Dr. Mudgill. I was listening to Gary Vee's podcast, and I anytime I hear a doctor that is um, hanging around somebody like Gary Vee. I'm like, who is this dude? Uh, oh my God. And is he going to follow through? And you have never wavered. So just uh, for the audience to, to understand, you are at 1.3 million followers on TikTok. 1.3 million. 
You have 184,000 followers on Instagram. You know, that doesn't happen because you decided to post a few videos. You, what you said was so important that you made a decision and then you committed to it. And then you started doing it every single day. And it's, it's not easy. Oh my God, it's so hard to put yourself out there. You know, I don't even put myself out there as much as you do, but I've, ne- I've always been a cheerleader because I know that you made that commitment that day and you never stopped. And that's, that's really, I'm sure a lot of your book uh, talks about, you know, the, the hustle and grind because it is, it, it's a, it's a grind to get to those numbers. This is, it's a commitment, right? Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, so it's really, a, just you have to be accountable. So for me, it's one of my core values is accountability. Like if I'm going to put it out into the world, I'm going to do it. Like I, I talked about writing my book years before I wrote my book, you know, I just said, Hey, I'm going to write a book. And then I just had to figure out how to do it. But you know, that it's, it's, it's important for yourself. Like it gives you an incredible amount of confidence when you put things out into the world, you hold yourself accountable and you do it. And it also, you develop trust that way. Like, Hey, this guy's not just talking shit. He's, you know, he's, he's going to do it. Right. No, absolutely. And you have done it. So I want to make sure that um, I get some hot takes from you. Um, probably a term I stole from Gary Vee, but I think he's all right with it. But I like to give credit to or credit to. I never even said the term hot takes until today. I also usually don't have questions, but I know that you're, I've admired what you've done so much. I try to encourage so many of the physicians that I work with to um, to to try to do half of, of what you're doing. I've sent a lot of my physicians your way to show them what it is and what it takes. I think when... Um, anybody hears, any professional hears, you know, go on TikTok, they just assume you're dancing. So I want everybody to understand you have danced. I have danced too. It's very rare. I think I've only danced once. You might've danced more, but you have great kids that dance with you and a wife that looks really good dancing, but you give inspiration and you do the pimple popping. I can't watch it, but Alyssa works for me. She loves pimple popping more than anything. I mean, there's an audience for it, right? And it just- That's amazing. It brings attention to your brand. So let me ask you, what um, what has it done? You know, what is the end result of doing all of this work? You know, it's certainly not so you can spend more time working. I mean, we're recording. Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool, and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Thai Technology Rocks. Putting this on a Saturday morning. You know, your hustle yeah. is real. Yeah. Uh, you know, the truth is, shit, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what it's done. It's not... People know me. I'm gonna have more. I guess I'm, people just know who I am more. Um, I do have patients that find me. It's actually a funny story. Like during the pandemic, I uh, I had a pain. I was I was one of the few dermatologists that stayed open in New York City. Um, everyone else, which I you know, I, and also, I don't I don't have no problem saying this. 
I think all those doctors that closed up shop and went to go chill out in the Hamptons. And like, you know, there was a lot of pressure on social media that they were post, Hey, we're, I'm doing the right thing. I'm closing down because of COVID and, you know, we're, we'll reopen whenever, when it's safe, we're freaking doctors, man. Like, you know, we run towards a pandemic. We don't run away from a pandemic. So that first week we were open, the, the, the city shut down. I was open on a Friday. I saw two women who were nine months pregnant that had horrible abscesses. And had I not been open, they would have ended up in New York City was a shit show then. Yes. They would have ended up in an urgent care or an ER, you know, where everyone had COVID. And I said to my staff, even now with the unemployment stuff is going on, is ongoing, but it was a it was a crazy amount of like federal support for unemployment. So you I told my staff that I can't pay you guys what I've been paying you because I have no idea what's going on. Like, you know. But I'm going to continue to service emergency patients in New York City, and I'm going to continue to service patients here in Long Island. We're going to figure out how that's going to work. We'll do a combination of telehealth and, you know, in-person business when we need to. But I can't pay you guys what I've been paying you, and I will fire you, and you'll be able to make more money um, if you leave. And no hard feelings. I totally get it. This is We're in a period of uncertainty. I just can't guarantee that I'll be able to bring you back because I don't know what the future looks like. Every single person stayed with me. Mm. And we stayed during the pandemic. By June, I was able to bring everyone back full time. But it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. Yeah, I got PPV on money and all that stuff. But I still lost a ton of money sure. um, you know, during that period. But we did it as a team. You know, we, provide, we provided a service. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what the initial question was, but this wraps into it. What was your initial <laughs> question, Jen? You know, and it doesn't even matter. It's perfect. I mean, I think that the the fact that you um, you committed to it and you decided, I remember talking to you in the beginning of the pandemic and it yeah. was, um, I will replay that this Thursday because um, it is amazing how much has changed. I fear that people will go back to life as it once was and forget about how difficult it was and how much empathy you showed and how how great it is that you were able to stay open. I remember those that pregnant patient. I, I remember thinking that it was so great that you stayed open. There were so many that didn't. There were so many that that all they did was complain, understandably so, right? I don't want to be heartless here, but I'm a New Yorker too. I we I never I didn't stop paying anybody myself. You know, things have changed for me as well, certainly, but you make a commitment um, when you, when you open a business and in the practice of medicine, I mean, you take an oath, right? Take care of people. And um, so anyway, I just, I'm super impressed that you uh, made it through. New York is, is coming back and um, I can't wait to come and visit, but I want to get back to the hot takes. So there's no rules with these hot takes. I just want yeah. you to say whatever comes to mind when I mention outsourcing. I hate it. <laughs> uh, well, okay, this is it's sort of two sides of the coin here. I've actually, during the pandemic, I outsourced stuff that I had in-house just because I had to. And I'm very happy that I had outsourced my billing when I first left practice. And then I had in-house billing. And then during the pandemic, I had to outsource it again. Um, and that turned out to be the best thing. Um, so it's outsourced, but it's outsourced domestically. So I, the folks are in New York. I can talk to them. I can touch them. Um, mm-hmm. 
what I hate about outsourcing is when it's, you're talking to someone in like the Philippines or in India and like, they're basically following a script and there's no creativity. It's like, and you're just, first of all, you go through this whole phone tree and you're like, representative, 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 right? You know, just to get to talk to someone. And then you finally talk to someone to someone who's literally is, can't help you because they're just following an algorithm and there's no creativity that's there. So it literally is one of my pet peeves. I posted about this actually during the pandemic. I had an issue with an outsourced phone call. I had to make like a wire transfer. And uh, it just, it's, it drives me nuts. And I, I hope that like, you know, there, there was a big push for like, you know, made in the USA like during the pandemic just because of the shortage of supplies and stuff. I think that's since dissipated, you know, like the world is kind of returning back to its, its old ways. But I think there's something to be said about yeah, outsourcing is okay, in my mind, as long as it's a, a very tangible person you're outsourcing to that you can like literally talk to or text or, you know. And I also outsource all my bookkeeping, which has been one of the best things I've ever done also. Mm -hmm. um, but they're also like in the next town over from me. And I can, you know, I can play golf with my guy who does my bookkeeping or I can grab lunch with him. Yeah. Um, he's a, a real person that I can see. Right. Terry, right? Terry, oh, Terry, yeah, Terry, I've, but Terry's my biller and Terry's does my uh, bookkeeping. I watch your videos. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, um, wonderful. Different Terry's, by the way. Different Terry's. Oh, that's so funny. Well, yeah. Terry's a good name for you then. Um, so outsourcing, uh, I love. I understand all of those frustrations. Um, I outsource my bookkeeping. Um, I outsource some of my um, media. I outsource PR. Um, but outsourcing with billing and insurance has got to be really tough. So I'm, I'm going to, so I'm going to hold on to insurance, but it's coming because I've seen some of your videos. Okay. How yeah. do we feel about marketing and marketing budgets? You know, that's a hard question. So I've never done any marketing for my practice at all. Never. I've never placed an ad. I've never done any of that stuff. It's, you know, it's pure organic growth, word of mouth, which I think is the best way to do it. Um, I think it's slow. Uh, but it's, you have like diehard community of patients, you know, when you do it that way. Um, I did, mar I've done marketing. But you've What's done that? branding. I've done branding and I've done marketing for other stuff, like my book. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, it's expensive. And I've like, what I've learned is more money doesn't mean better results so like my first publicist this was back in like i don't know 2018 was like three grand a month and she was great you know but she wasn't local and you know i thought okay maybe if i get another publicist who's local because i wanted at that point like getting on tv was a goal right so i was able to get in all the magazines i was in all, you know whatever cosmo allure all that stuff you know but i figured if she's not local let me see what I, let me see if i can get some local who can help me out so i talked to one of my buddies who was a professional athlete and i said hey and he does a lot of tv stuff i was like you got a pr person for me he's like yeah try this person so that person was like five thousand dollars a month got me on tv uh so i did some new stuff cbs and nbc and that sort of stuff but was really lacking in other aspects um it was like very disorganized not nearly as good when it came to like just keeping a catalog of what we're waiting for what we've submitted what we've been published in etc um so that then that lasted a short period and then i went out to someone who was like seven thousand dollars a month and that was i got on tv i got in some magazines but it wasn't really what i really wanted to do at that at that point i really wasn't interested in more dermatology stuff mm -hmm. i wanted to be more of like a mindset person sure. you know but they weren't really able to execute on that 
And then my last publicist was like 15 grand a month uh, when I, my book came out. Mm-hmm. And that was just like money that I'll just, I can be able to just have burned it, you know, just throw it in the fireplace. Um, so they, they, they were fine, but I, I realized that the best marketing I did, the most books I sold was when I would post it on my Instagram story or make a post about it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I felt that, you know, it, for them, it was, it was, you know, it was really, it was like just pitching a softball to them. Mm-hmm. They could have, should have been able to hit out of the park. It was just very frustrating. Sure. That, you know, just with the platforms that I have, that the execution wasn't there. Um, so we'll go back to the original question. I think targeted marketing is can be helpful, mm-hmm. uh, but I think budget considerations are very important. And what I would tell anyone is more is a more, um, you know, more is generally more BS. And, you know, just you got to find someone who, because really all publicists only know their network of people. That's it. So in the first few months, once you've exhausted their network of people, you're done. Like you're either going to get the same shit over and over again, or, you know, you're done. Right. And you know, that's, and the, the more expensive someone is, and honestly doesn't mean that they don't, you know, have better community of folks that they can get you in, you know, help you. Mm-hmm. It's actually the same. My $3,000 person, my $15,000 person, I was in Cosmo and all the big magazines with both of them, you know? Right. So, Yes. Well, um, I love the hot takes. I'm not going to make any other comments because there are many running through my brain about all of that. Um, but you are, you are hundred percent right. Okay. So, um, it's, it's a tough job to do PR, but certainly, um, can be done and can be done well. Um, all right. So how do we feel about, uh, virtual consultations? I know that you offer them in your practice. So what has that been like? Yeah. Um, I, I think I, so, you said you would have never, we offered, yeah, so we implemented them like very early on. I had the infrastructure already set up before the pandemic. So it was very easy for us to offer virtual consults. I know it's cool. Like, you know, it's fine during the pandemic. Um, we still do them, but kind of a lot more infrequently. Like for us, like seeing a patient really is, is the easiest thing to do. But I'll do a quick follow-up for someone or like triage them virtually. Um, my PA mostly handles, he handles like most of the virtual consultations now. And he'll like triage the patients. And if they need to see me, he'll just have them make an appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think their utility in my office has changed a little bit. And the way we use them, the strategy that we use for virtual consults has changed a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it definitely gave a push to make the pandemic did to make yeah. virtual consults like a valid form of right. doctor patient interaction. You know, when it was kind of before people would do it, but it wasn't like so mainstream. You know, now right. it's like, yeah, cool. I can see you virtually. So thumbs up for the virtual? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, thumbs okay, up, but it doesn't replace the patient. It'll much. never replace the doc. There's no, there's no way in hell it can ever replace a physician. Um, hot take on- I can't hot- do Botox virtually. No, you can't. I would like I you to do Bo- right now. I'd like you to insert <laughs> some right here. See that? Um, hiring. Hard. It's very, very hard, especially right now. So I'll tell you, I'm busy now. Like I'm back to like pre-pandemic busy, and I want I want to hire a PA for my New York City office because uh, I'm only there three days a week. You know, I'm in my Long Island office one day a week, so two days a week the office is sitting idle. But there's patients that need to be seen, and I can't hire people because of the unemployment situation. So folks, right now are getting 15 bucks an hour to sit at home, mm-hmm. um, and it's very compelling to do that until it's going to be until September. It's very compelling to do that uh, until the benefits run out. Why? you get 50 bucks for sitting at home or 20 bucks going to an office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of folks would choose to sit at home. This was also a big problem when the city opened up, when there were folks were getting like 20 bucks or 18 bucks an 
hour to sit at home. You know, when the city opened back up, a lot of folks can bring their staff back. Um, you know, restaurants right now in New York City are struggling. They can't hire staff. Stores are struggling. Um, Same and here. Same here. Yeah. It's, um, I, you know, listen, I'm not one, I don't want to talk politics, um, but just from a business person's perspective, it's really hard to get things going again until like folks are ready to come back to work. Folks just aren't ready to come back to work. So hiring has been a, such a struggle for me. I used to put an ad out on like Indeed or Craigslist or whatever. And I'm not kidding, get 50 to 100 resumes like in days. Now I'll put an ad out, zero. Wow. I got I put three ads out, got one, res- got one resume. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. It's, uh, it's bad. So it's hard. So right now and forever, like, so you do your own hiring, you don't um, outsource hiring. No, so I personally, I'll, I'll get involved a little bit, but there's folks in my office who are like, you know, I yep. trust implicitly who are like, you know, just major parts of my team. So I let them do like that, most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll just get in for the final approval. Gotcha. Okay. So it is professional wellness month. And I know that you did an incredible um, TikTok video about um, wellness and burnout and especially with physicians. So what's your, your hot take on professional wellness month being the month of June? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, doctors, nurses, healthcare providers are, are people, you know, there's depression, anxiety, substance abuse, you know, all those things affect us just as much as they affect everybody else. Uh, but there's a big stigma. And when you're like a doctor or someone who's like, because it's so lame, but like sort of like a prominent figure in society, there's a big stigma to you having problems that, you know, normal people have. Well, guess what? We're normal people. <laughs> and, you know, these things affect everybody. And, you know, I think the more people, and there's a, there's a few folks that are out there that are very, very vocal about it. Um, which I think is great because I think that really just takes the stigma out of folks saying, Hey, you know what? I, I need to talk to someone or I need to, I need to get some help because I just feel like my mind isn't right right now. Or you need to write a book. Yeah. Yeah. You need yeah. I mean, it's like, we all of us have a story, right? All of us have had trauma in our lives, whatever it may be. I and mean, it's, um, it's just part of living. Um, but I was watching, it's funny, I was like just scrolling through Instagram last night and I, there was like a Tony Robbins thing that came up and he was basically like talking about like, you know, his mom used to, he literally said, my mom used to beat the shit out of me when I was growing up. And he's like, and I thank you for that, for this reason, because it made him like a stronger person. Like, you know, all of it, it was kind of like, we're all living life and all of life is an experience. And, you know, it's kind of like a glass and half full or glass and half empty attitude. Every experience we have shapes us in some way. And, you know, if you really use it to shape you for the better, you know, it just makes you a stronger, more self-aware, in-touch human. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's really ultimately the goal is that's how you feel fulfilled is if you're comfortable in your skin and your life, the things you do in your life bring you happiness, you know, and the, I don't know, for some reason, it just it gets kind of, I was like, wow, that's really, that's really such an interesting way to say it, but it's true. And all of us have that some degree of that in our lives, Absolutely. but it's okay to talk about it. You know? All right. My last question for you is how's your mom? She's good. She's good. She's, uh, God, how old is she? She's like 82, just turned 82, only 83. I'm mm. um, still plugging away. Yeah. Yeah. Still breaking balls. <laughs> still your biggest supporter. I'm sure. 
It's funny. She's still exactly the same way she always was. She's like my biggest supporter behind my back, and my biggest cheerleader. But like you know, like never to your face. I'm like I'm a big screw up every time I talk to her. You know, it's like <laughs> I love it. They keep us humble. They keep us yeah. humble. Well, Dr. Mudgill, I am so grateful for this time with you today. Um, I really, really implore everybody to get uh, Let's Get It, Hustle and Grind, your way to personal empowerment. You got to follow Dr. Mudgill on TikTok. You got to follow him on Instagram. You got to get some of these uh, wonderful mindset, um, motivational, inspiring, real talk that you give. You know, I, I like nothing more than, than real talk from a, a fellow New Yorker friend. So thank you so much for spending time with me today. Hey, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. This Let's is great. get it. Let's get it. <laughs> Bye, everybody. So Take don't care. forget... If you mention that you have seen the show or listened to the podcast, Thai Technology, three months for free.